Why? When I say that, well, why? It's busted. <laughs> my computer's busted. Busted. Logic keeps disarming my tracks. Why you huh? do this? Uh. Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Movies. <laughs> Parenthetical. No, no, that's, that's a song. Sorry. How you have to eject a disc before you unplug it? That's like a long time ago. Nope. <laughs> Don't do it. Not no more. Not no more. Because there's fail I mean, You're safes. still supposed to. But. I know. You should. Hello. Welcome to New Day, New Movie. <laughs> uh, we start these so horribly sometimes. Sometimes. Sometimes we're good. Sometimes I'm editing and I'm like, man, we're so profesh. And then... There's times like this where I'm probably going to leave all this in because <laughs> we have nothing else this to use us. for our This intro. is us. We just yeah, we're two guys talking. And why not add more to a probably already very long episode potentially? <laughs> Welcome to New Day New Movie, the NDNM podcast, where we watch 365 movies in 365 days. I'm Mitch. I'm Scott. Welcome to week 13. Yes, lucky 13. number one three. Uh, essentially, welcome to the movies we probably should have watched in 2021 episode. No, uh, episode. A, a week that we probably should have done a couple weeks ago. Yes, Is welcome to mean? our movies <laughs> that we should have watched in 2021. However, yeah. we didn't, so we waited until now. And then I just depend on how we feel about them. Maybe we shouldn't have watched them last year, this year, or ever. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if any made the list Some maybe for me. We could well, do maybe without, one. But... Yeah. Oh, but anyway, we're watching all 2021 movies, movies that were on our list, or we watched. We already watched all 2021 movies this week. (laughs) (laughs) Just movies that Mitch found on an article that said these were the best movies of 2021, and we compared that to our wanting to watch list, and uh, and collated a, or, or collated is like what you do with pack, packs of paper. Yeah. That collate function on the printer. Yeah. <laughs> Some word where we put them together. We created a list of movies <laughs> <laughs> from 2021 to a little send off uh, as we move into 2022 films and maybe never even watching a 2021 movie again on the podcast. I don't know. I don't <laughs> know if there's anything that we missed uh, now that we've wrapped up these seven. So I think there's a couple, but uh, what a what a fucking week. I feel like we say that a lot. I will say this. I think this week felt long because it was long. Because this had 14 hours of movies in it. And traditionally, we're sitting around 12 and at the most, maybe 13. So yeah. this was like an we've entire... Had, what, one other week where I think we've had 14 hours? No, it wasn't even 14. It was in the 13 really? range. Oh. Like we, we broke records this week of watching the most amount of minutes of movies so far in our podcast. And uh, when you watch... Essentially, a whole additional movie that becomes a lot, and I I don't know. I just they were just growing them big in 2021. You know, (laughs) (laughs) they've been growing them big recently, (laughs) for sure. Making them real thick. (laughs) There's a lot of content in them films. Uh, (laughs) A lot of gigabytes. My bladder was ready to burst after Spider Man. (laughs) Uh, How you doing? I'm mentally, emotionally, physically. 
I'm exhausted. Okay, I was going to say, <laughs> what fun adjectives to just, to just show how drained you are. <laughs> yeah, spiritually. Ah, uh, yeah, good, good. You know. uh, I don't know, man, this was this not just the movies, but the movies didn't help because usually there's like a fun movie somewhere in there. And even the fun movies this week were still like more emotional, feel good, with the obvious exception of The Matrix Resurrections. Ugh. which we'll talk about we'll talk about i think what we've had in the past which we didn't have this week is we had that kind of sit down shut your brain off movie yeah. where it just it wasn't here like everything you needed to kind of process everything required you to i'd say put in quite a a lot of thought actually just to wrap your head around everything and kind of just really soak in the story yeah there's a lot to process with most of these movies Actually, all of them, but I would say our last movie, The French Dispatch, was for me that, but it was the very end of the week, so it didn't it didn't help get me through the week. It just kind of helped finish <laughs> it was a nice off end the of the week. Yeah. yeah, I had mentioned that too. Of just like I'm so happy we watched The French Dispatch after this <laughs> week because it was a little bit lighter, and it wasn't even necessarily a light movie. No, but it was just. It's just all around enjoyable, and we will, again, we'll get to that. But let's jump into what we watched this week, because uh, like we said, I think there could be a lot more discussion on all of these movies than we'll probably actually end up talking about, yeah. just because there was, there was a lot of things with each of these that you could really kind of go down the rabbit hole. You could definitely- You could go deep on yes, a pretty lot much of all of these, yeah. So, movies of week 13. Uh, Monday, we watched Don't Look Up, followed by Tuesday with Lamb. Titane or Titane. Uh, Titan. Titan. Or titanium in English. <laughs> Titan on Wednesday. Concrete Cowboy on Thursday. Matrix Resurrections on Friday. Zola on Saturday. And then we ended the week with The French Dispatch. Yeah. <laughs> That's a lot of serious movies. So really just to preface kind of what Scott was talking about earlier, I follow a YouTube channel called Film Riot, and they kind of did their 21 best films that they had seen uh, throughout the year of 2021. 21 movies for 2021, that's yes, what they did? that's what they did. So like in 2050, are they going to have to pick 50 <laughs> movies I have no idea, they might. They should rethink that gimmick. <clears throat> but uh, I was kind of watching... It, as they were kind of giving a very brief synopsis and kind of their thoughts about the movie without actually spoiling it. So it was a well-done video. Uh, and a lot of what I saw on there, Scott and I had already watched, but some of the movies that we hadn't seen, I kind of had mentioned to him, hey, you know, we should do this, along with, like he said, our own list that we have a spreadsheet of movies we want to watch. And well, We had a lot of overlap. This is uh, kind of the culmination of all of that. Uh, before I get too far, though, uh, what was I just watching? Oh, Red Letter Media. They did kind of what we do. They kind of did like a whole, hey, here's uh, movies we forgot to talk about in 2021. And they kind of did like a a speed round of all the movies and talking. I didn't watch it because I I knew there was some stuff in there that... I know. I I missed them. We we did used to watch them, but doing this, we don't want to be... Influenced by anybody else's opinions or thoughts. Yeah, yeah. We thought it would be better to kind of... It's different doing your own research and coming to your own conclusions. Sometimes you just don't, which I think this week is going to have a couple 
that I may have hit that point where I just I just decided I don't know. I don't know what to say. I don't say. know and I have to move on because today is another movie. But, but yeah. uh, day one, Monday. What's Monday in Spanish? Lunes, right? I don't know. I was trying to be I was trying to give a bunch of words for Monday. Monday, don't look up. Twenty twenty one. You were right, it's lunes. <laughs> it is lunes? Yeah. yeah. Spanish. I'm trying to go through that my took like my... twenty years. <laughs> anyway, don't look up. Uh, I made your Nick Cage joke just now, in case you didn't hear, because you didn't laugh. I said twenty twenty one. Duh! It's twenty twenty. We're doing a twenty twenty one week. Uh, like the last, like last week, you said. Uh, here's a Nick Cage. Nick film Cage for you. is in this. <laughs> this is uh, starring Nick Cage. All right, fine. Don't. I was just. Don't I was, laugh. Okay, so, okay, really quick before you read it, I was Pity just laugh me, bro. I missed it because I was waiting to see if you're gonna read the short synopsis or the fucking. I'm gonna read the book big one. long one. But I took out all the parentheses, which is what makes it so long oh, because okay. the cast in this movie is absurd. Yeah, it's very large. It's absurd, and it may not even be the biggest cast of the week. No, but it's absurd. <laughs> so don't look up. This is a Netflix movie. Kate DiBiaschi, an astronomy grad student, and her professor, Dr. Randall Mindy, make an astounding discovery of a comet orbiting within the solar system. The problem? It's on a direct collision course with Earth. The other problem? No one really seems to care. Turns out warning mankind about a planet killer the size of Mount Everest isn't an inconvenient fact to navigate. With the help of Dr. Oglethorpe, Kate and Randall embark on a media tour that takes them from the office of an indifferent President Orlean and her sycophantic son, Chief of Staff, Jason, to the airwaves of The Daily Rip, an upbeat morning show hosted by Bree and Tyler Perry, with only six <laughs> months until... His name's Jack. With only six months until the comet makes impact, managing the 24-hour news cycle and gaining the attention of the social media-obsessed public before it's too late proves shockingly comical. What will it take to get the world to just look up? So, in much shorter terms, two low-level astronomers must go on a giant media tour to warn mankind of an approaching comet. Yeah, I should have read that. That will destroy the planet Earth. I should have read that. <laughs> uh, Jennifer Lawrence, Leo DiCaprio, Meryl Streep, Jonah Hill, Kate Blanchett, Tyler Perry, Mark Rylance, Ron Perlman, Timothy Chalamet, Ariana Grande, Kid Cudi, Michael Chiklis, and more. Yeah, Just this an assload of people. Movie stars what seems like everybody <laughs> I think I made an appearance in this. Did you? <laughs> I didn't. Oh, no, okay. No, I, I didn't like it that much. I was a background <laughs> character number 517. Were you on the street when they look up at the comet at the end? Yeah, I was, was one of the guys you? in the car that got yeah. out. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> uh, so as of the first week of January, this was Netflix's third most watched movie ever. According to who? Netflix? Like if you look at... Because if you look at their top 10 every week, I think there's some... Tom fuckery going on. I know, but I'm saying, like, as far as viewership goes of people who tuned in to watch this movie, this mm -hmm. was the third most watched on Netflix. Wow. Like, a week and a half or two weeks well, after people it released. People tend to like having everyone in Hollywood in a movie. That's true. I also think, though, that there's a lot of controversial topics in mm -hmm. this movie. Indeed. Um, and, you know, the depiction of politics and the world and the United States and all sorts of things definitely drew people into it, got people talking. And then that's probably the best form of advertising is just word of mouth of people. Oh yeah. Going on a rant or any praising is, this or whatever it yeah. may be. What's that? Any, any publicity is good publicity. Yeah, even like bad publicity. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. There's a lot of people in this. 
I think everyone did a pretty good job. Yeah. Yeah, I think I, so too. Did you like it? I think uh, it's going to be hard to talk about this movie, so I think we should just stick with feelings. Stick with Because that's what everybody in the movie did. So I thought <laughs> it was... A, I thought it was... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was a pretty good movie. Like, I don't think it was the best of the week. I don't think it was the worst oh, of no. the week. Oh, no. I mean, this was a tough week for this movie to, uh, uh, to reside in. And I can see why so many people are having the conversations that they are around the movie. Because, again, it goes into just very... How do I want to put this? Like I don't know, man. You're on your own. I'm on my own. Scott's <laughs> like, huh? no, dude, it's all you. Uh, this is the worst one I think to talk about for me. Yeah, it's tough. I I, I enjoyed this movie, most of this movie. Um, it's definitely one of those movies, though, that it can be a bit more sad than comical at times because of how true some of the stuff in it was. And that... I feel like no matter where you are on the political spectrum, mm-hmm. um, there's stuff in here, specifically the social media stuff and the tech giant and the... You can see the satire. It's so, yeah, it's so real. It was like, ah, I, they want me to laugh at this, but really I'm just... Kind of like, sad. I'm sad. To, <laughs> I don't feel at home in this world anymore. So I think my first thought <laughs> from this was I got kind of the vibes of like Seeking a Friend for the End of the World, which is a movie we had watched uh, previously this year. And I think just kind of the whole ending. Of... I think that was a better movie. Is that what you're? <laughs> I'm not trying to compare the two. I'm just trying to okay. say that, like, I had those vibes of something is coming to destroy the earth. Sure. Except in that movie, everybody takes it seriously. Right. So they are it's kind of celebrating their the end of their direction. life. Yeah. Yeah. Versus nobody in this movie, minus a few maybe conspiracy conspiracists and scientists, are like. This is happening. So there's two different directions, but the, the ending is still the same, that the world blows up. There wasn't like a spaceship that, you know, went on a... Well, there was. 800-year Seeking for a Friend of the World had a... Oh, no, I thought you were talking about this movie. No, I was saying Seeking for the, <laughs> seeking a Friend for the End of the World oh, yeah. didn't have like the spaceship the that sent off. Yeah. yeah. The world ended in well, both. Yeah. But this one is kind of referencing that they're could be new life later on and they're all naked and well no because that was the point is all of the <laughs> quote-unquote assholes that end up on the ship yes and save their lives get off earth on the spaceship from the tech giant guy and they're uh, cry- chirogenically <laughs> frozen yeah. for like 800 years before they find a sustainable planet to live on and yeah end up on another planet and then i think it's insinuated that they all get eaten by whatever the fuck by that creatures thing was the, yeah what was <laughs> I don't remember. I was waiting the whole movie for that. I'm like, they're good. This is going to pay off. He said, <laughs> it starts with he a knows bee. where he knows how everyone's going to die. The tech giant guy. I don't remember his name either. And the president asks him how she's going to die. And uh, he tells her that she's going to get eaten by uh, some word that some dinosaur sounding name of, of a creature. Doesn't matter. If you like watching a shit ton of people be in a movie, it's a good movie. If you like watching a movie that makes fun of society, it's a good movie. I just, if you have Netflix, it's probably recommended as their top, you know, movie it's probably of on the their, week. Yeah. yeah, you know, I don't know. Overall, it was fine. It really, it's really tough to say because I didn't hate most of it. It's just this week has so many more way better, way better movies. <laughs> I think the last thing that I'll bring, and then we can move on. But I was reading up on it, and it it sounds like there was like the original script changed quite a bit throughout the pandemic. 
Uh, the movie was originally centered around climate change and then, and the script was written pre kind of COVID, uh, but a bunch of reshoots and improvisational scenes were done just kind of in light of the last two years, which I think you could definitely kind of see those points through. Yeah. I think you can tell certain scenes that don't, didn't quite fit in or that kind of to the rest of the narrative. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was noticeable. Yeah. I will say I was very pleasantly surprised with Jonah Hill. The dude had me fucking laughing <laughs> so much. <laughs> yeah. Dude, the whole Ariana Grande and Kid Cudi. Yeah, thing, and like he proposes on the fucking television show after cheating after he on cheated her. cheated on her. They, they all tell her to say something to the cameras to, you know, like let him have it I or say something. You. And she turns around and goes, I forgive you. I'll take you back. And then he calls in and and how that every time anything happens with her and him well it's like it's the most trending thing that everyone hears about but nobody knows about any of the other (laughs) shit going on no there's there's all too real i think was my issue for me to to really a little too serious for you (laughs) and you're like come on it was it was funny i was chuckling uh but yeah i think it doesn't kind of have a leg to stand on compared to some of these other movies getting into things lamb let's talk about lamb lamb on tuesday (laughs) Haunted by the indelible mark of loss and silent grief, sad-eyed Maria and her taciturn husband, Invar, seek solace in back-breaking work in the demanding schedule at their sheep farm in the remote, harsh, wind-swept landscapes of mountainous Iceland. Then, with their relationship hanging on by a thread, something unexplainable happens, and just like that, happiness blesses the couple's grim household once more. Now, as a painful ending gives birth to a new beginning... Invar's troubled brother, Peter, arrives at the farmhouse, threatening Maria and Invar's delicate newfound bliss. But nature's gifts demand sacrifice. How far are ecstatic Maria and Invar willing to go into the name of love? So immediately after I watched this movie, I was like, man, that was super weird and uncomfortable. And then we watched T-10, and I don't feel that way anymore. (laughs) Yeah, right? (laughs) This movie... Uh, this movie felt like Pee Wee's Playhouse compared to uh, Titane. Yeah, this Titan. is just a normal movie about a lamb that gives birth to a creature with the head of a lamb and the body of a human. <laughs> it's nothing more, nothing less. It has nothing <laughs> on the next movie we watched. But uh, at first, I was like, "Man, this is fucking kind of uneasy and unsettling." And then we watched our next movie, and I didn't feel that way anymore about this one. Yes, but Mitch, we're still on Tuesday. And thus, if you will allow me, I have much to say. <laughs> yeah, let's get into it. I like this movie. I didn't hate it. Uh, I think I think I grew to like it more by the end of the movie, and the more it sat with me, I think I have I have grown to like it more. And I would like to watch it again at some point. Uh, but in the nature of what we are doing, I say that with some movies, and that may never happen ever. But it wasn't my favorite A24 movie by any means. And that's what we'll have to talk about because that's a recurring thing this week is we have A24, which is a a film studio, Mm -hmm. and Neon, another film studio. And uh, we'll talk about that at the very end, I'm sure, because those two are, they're so hot right now. They are pushing out a lot of movies. (laughs) Yeah, they uh, are so hot. (laughs) But, uh, and I tend to really enjoy most of what they put out that I watch, right? I mean, I tend to be interested in watching mm-hmm. what they have. Um, and this one being an A24 movie, it's, it was on my list pretty immediately, uh, but it wasn't my favorite. 
And I think part of that came from the reveal of Ada, the, the half baby, half lamb. So they reveal it at the end of the first act. And it was kind of predictable and felt a little gimmicky. Might, maybe that's not the right word, but it felt like it was too intentionally trying to shock. Like, look, we did a half lamb, half baby kind of thing. I, I don't know. I just got a weird vibe from the, the reveal. It just landed kind of stupid for me. And I think this was the first movie that I've seen in a long time that I felt like how my dad watches some movies that we watch and, and like in a show. <laughs> and he's just like, this is fucking stupid. <laughs> and so I, I I don't know how to explain it, but it almost felt kind of like pretentious. Does that make sense? I don't know how to. Yeah. And I'd say you're not alone. Pretentious. Because again, kind of following this, just kind of reading some things about the movie to get some better understandings about things, you know, reviewers kind of said, had mentioned like even the lamb Ada felt like almost comical. Yeah. You just kind of see it coming, but also you're kind of hoping that that's not what this movie's going to end up being. But that changes very quickly for me. I think that's where it started that way. And I was ready to kind of dismiss it. Like, I'm like, this is, this is dumb. I mean, it's a reveal of a half human, half creature. So you assume that it would be the father mating with a sheep. That's what which I Which made mentioned. it even more dumb, right? I feel like to me, that's what made it even more ridiculous is in my head. I thought this is going to be some, she, you know, she can't have kids. And so they got, they're on a sheep farm. And for some reason, she makes him or they try and mate with sheep to have a a child or whatever, you know, that like, that's fucking stupid. I think I like, I don't know if I'd be on board with that. I think that's just dumb. Well, I had but, mentioned like the reveal of probably where you're going. The lamb man at the very yeah, end. Yeah. Made it just so much better. It changes things so much. Um, cause number one, you're not like, Oh, at least, you know, Invar didn't fuck a, a lamb. Yeah. You know, that, that makes you feel a little bit better. And then like they hinted that they did have a daughter yeah. Ada before. Yeah. Again, they don't delve into it if there's more of like a satanic thing going on where they're, you know, kind of like, because they talked about time travel a little bit, right? At yeah. At the very beginning. Yeah. So it seems like they're entertaining options of how can they get their daughter back. And they're blessed with this miracle of the lamb giving birth to, you know, half lamb, half human spawn thing that they take care of and they raise as their own. Yeah, that that, and I don't think, after knowing what this movie's supposed to be about, I don't think that was the intention, but it does play into, if you know nothing about this movie, that kind of setting up the possibilities in the universe of, they're talking about time travels, theoretically, whatever possible. And uh, I don't know, it just, everything in act one felt like it was leading to exactly where I thought it was going to go and hoped that it didn't. But that was just act one. And that's the thing. If that was the whole movie, because I've seen movies that are like that the entire movie, right? Yeah. Like, like uh, something like Paranormal Activity, Next of Kin, mm-hmm. where the whole movie is just going exactly where I expect it to. And I'm just begging it to do, to anything, do else. anything different, right? And so I think a lot of those feelings went away, especially after the uncle, Peter, accepted her. That was a super weird pivot in the way she and everything was presented in the movie, because then it just shifts to showing their family life. And it, it they almost, they make you forget how ridiculous it all is. 
and that's incredible to me is that by the end the the actual reveal of the ram man as i've seen the cast and director refer to him you get more what they're going for i guess what you're trying to say and something i had written down but i i mean i had said you know they definitely humanized everyone in this film in some way which i thought was pretty incredible because mm-hmm. even through everyone's faults i could see the good in everyone and the movie made you care about ada yeah made you care about yeah. peter even though he was kind of a piece of shit at times yeah. like it was very well crafted to again just show just i don't know the the good in people the good in everything because i mean i think the uneasy parts that i i found in this movie that i was just kind of like please don't do this um was the first was when maria was contemplating whether or not to kill ada's birth mom i was like don't pull the trigger and then she did she killed mm-hmm. but that that plays into that you plays into the theme. yes and then later on uh peter having the same kind of indecision as to whether he should kill ada and he has the rifle pointed to her head mm-hmm. and then he chooses not to yeah and then at the very end, when you just kind of look at everything for what it is, where the Ram Man comes to kill Ingvar, kind of in the same way that Maria killed Ada's mom, mm-hmm. you know, he kills Ingvar and takes Ada's stepdad or whatever you want to refer to it. I don't know. It's kind of poetic and everything. And I mean, it was in a dark way. Yes. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, and I also, uh, looking into stuff more, that's what I think was tough is with all these movies... Normally you have time to kind of sit on it, but we have to kind of speed up our processing and it makes it tough. So I read it was supposed to be about man taking without question from nature and not being aware of things that they don't see and the effects they have. And that fits in with, I mean, at Iceland, that's why they have the elves. That's a real thing. Yeah. Like they actually do believe that there's a tradition, you know, and they have a they have a very interesting respect for nature and we could talk about that and all the ways that the movie fits into that viewpoint, that perspective for hours. But I thought the more interesting thing was I saw Numi Rapis, who plays Maria. She was talking about how it relates to the best interest of a child in a kidnapping or an adoption case. where And there have been cases, apparently, where the child was, was left with the non-biological family because it was the family that they knew. And that's what was best for their psyche. You know, psychologically, that's what it was better than confronting the fact of their life almost. And I thought that was a really interesting thing that I didn't pick up that with the whole end and that perspective shift to Ada, you really don't want her to go with Ram Man, right? Like, even though that makes sense and you, you kind of see, oh, this, so this is kind of what's going on. They weren't bad parents to her, right? I was say, it's they kind were, of like a, an argument of nature versus nurture a little bit, right? And you could argue the fact of, that yeah. she was brought up in a good household. She was being raised well. She had parents who... They treat her well. They, yeah. She's, yeah, she's she got was a good in a, home. She was in a good place, even though it wasn't but necessarily she's theirs. she's Ram Man's. Yes. So he's come to get her back. Yes. And I think that's just one of the crazy things about this movie that elevates it so much to me is that... And, and why I think I've grown to like it more and more the more I think about it and, and look into stuff is that by the end, you're not looking at Ada like a crazy creature. It doesn't seem abnormal by the end. And I, I, I feel like, I don't know, we could talk about this for 
for days. Easy. This is one of the many movies this week that that deserves its own episode. But I got to hand it to him to show half lamb, half human child. And if you were able to stick around through that reveal mentally and not check out, which I was very close to doing because it, it does all seem so ridiculous and silly, they make you not even think about it. And that's it's fascinating to me. By the third act, you you forget the fact that Ada is even yeah. You don't a even think land. about it. Like, like it's that. just their daughter, yeah, right? Exactly. So like you start to feel empathetic towards her parents. Mm-hmm. You start to feel empathetic towards her, especially when she, you know she loses her dad. You can see how hurt she is by all of it. Like you can see her laying on her you know dead father's body after being shot by the ram man mm-hmm. and you know she's hurting and so in, in fact you're hurting a little bit and it, it's again it's just like a story about family and it's it's crazy yeah, that it turns into this kind of it's not traditional in any sense it's kind of very obscure uh but when you boil the, the main concepts down to everything it's just it's just a good film about i don't know the importance of parenting it's another one that i think you can interpret so many different things from it i think that's what makes this a better movie than how i felt when i you know had initially when I left watched it, it. Yeah. yeah after first after first watch credits roll and i just kind of sat there just not really knowing you need time to think about and i definitely think it would benefit from another watch or something too i think yeah, I think knowing the ending now and going back to watch kind of from a different lens of things would definitely change the narrative of the mm-hmm. entire story. Yeah. Instead of, you know, finding things out throughout and the reveals that happen within the movie, you could probably pick up on more of the kind of deeper level earlier on so you're not and, yeah. yeah, of you're not kind of caught off guard by some of the stuff that they're doing. Or the reveal of Ada kind of thing. Not that even when you expect it, you're not caught off guard by how it's revealed. You're you're not focused on that at that point. You're paying attention to other things, right? Yeah. And that's what I think with reviewing movies, it's a lot like, I know like Jay-Z is a famous quote from Jay-Z about music critics and how, you know, how can you... How can you genuinely review, tell whether an album is good or bad after a first listen or, you know, after a day? And I think a lot of these movies that go a lot deeper than they appear, you really can't get all of it in one sitting. You can't get all of it in one time, one view. And so that makes it tough for, for what we're doing to actually really get into it. Yeah, and I think what's crazy too about with like what you're saying is just how s- slow the pacing was in this film. But like that gave you time to kind of collect your thoughts on everything that was going on, even though it wasn't a lot that was going on. But there was still, yeah. I don't know, it, it, it's kind of a, a weird phenomenon in yeah. this movie. Even talking about it now, I think I like it more than I did 10 minutes 10 ago. 10 minutes ago, yeah. I think this was just, this is a movie I think we both would probably want to think on more and probably... This be able to rewatch down the road. Go grab a beer for like a few hours and just. <laughs> and I think it would be kind of interesting too, and I'm not saying this is going to happen in the podcast, but just to take maybe our seven most kind of movies that Unfinished are finished discussions or something similar to this, and yeah. then rewatch them later on down the road, having seen them, to discuss further that we had you know been had some time to think on them, maybe had a beer over a conversation with them or something yeah. like that, just because. Yeah, this was this was a lot of movie. 
Um, and it really doesn't slow down from here because our next movie is a lot more movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, again, Lamb felt like... Pee-wee's Playhouse, as you mentioned. <laughs> I was trying to think of another... <laughs> SpongeBob SquarePants yes. movie. <laughs> All right, go ahead and read this for us. Titan. Alexia suffers a terrible skull injury and has a titanium plate fitted into her head. When she gets out the hospital, she rejects her parents and embraces passionately the car that almost killed her. The coming years, she has problems with her sexuality and meets Vincent. Vincent is a tortured man who tries to preserve his strength by injecting steroids into his aging body. Will they find a way to deal with their emotional problems? Okay. Wow, that's that's a terrible. Yeah, I know. Synopsis. So I wrote a bunch here so okay. that we could fill in the audience. Yeah. Wow. That's. Because uh, that, you have no idea. So, it's so a little backstory. Alexia is in a car accident as a kid. She grows up and fucks her car. Then she becomes a serial <laughs> killer and realizes she is pregnant with the car's baby. She then sees a missing poster of a boy from 20-something years ago, cuts her hair, breaks her nose, and then pretends to be this boy to be taken in by a man who is so desperate to have his son back. She then continually wraps her body to hide that she is a woman and pregnant and manipulates but also grows a relationship with the fake father figure. The end of this movie results in her giving birth to a machine baby and dying while the father is left to care for the machine child. How'd I do? It's a little better, yeah. <laughs> yeah, this movie was fucking weird. <laughs> really fucking weird. Uh, so this is the same director as Raw, which is a movie I've been recommending to you for a while. And I wish we could watch that, but I've seen it. Um, and that's that's as another pretty crazy movie uh, that I very much enjoyed. And actually, the girl she meets in the beginning, uh, Garance Marillier. Yeah, sorry uh, if we butcher any of these names. We... <laughs> I'm not. I'm not French. Uh, was the lead in that movie, and she was great in in Raw. And this one was just whoo. <laughs> I don't think I've had time to process this at all. So I've thought about this one a lot this week, and I can't definitively say what I think about it. Like, I didn't hate it, <laughs> but I don't know if I liked it. Yeah. Because uh, visually, it was stunning. The acting yeah. was superb. Yep. And it definitely invoked a lot of confused feelings as I watched. Yes. And... Talk about uncomfortable. Oh, God. Like, it, we keep watching uncomfortable movies, and we're like, man, this movie was so uncomfortable. But I don't know that we're going to find... This one took it to a new level I, for me, though. And I think that that leads into a, a little point that I have. But I, too, am not sure, like you said. I'm not sure how I feel about it. I, I think I liked it. And I just, like I said, I haven't had... I don't think I've been able to process it really at all. And I know this was Wednesday... But with just the continuing movie watching every day, I just, this was the one I was talking about in the intro where I just kind of had to move on. And I think I just decided, like, it's a new skill that I'm developing from this experience is being able to move on quickly. Mm -hmm. Usually I'm a, I'm a dweller. It wasn't something I was <laughs> that great at, but now I feel like I'm, I'm getting the hang of it. But, uh, my, my point, I guess, is that I really don't have much to say about it right now i just haven't been able to think on it enough but this was an insane fucking movie and i i do i think i really liked it i think i really liked it. it what what was shocking to me was that i watched this with my dad okay yeah i like that face you made get ready for this after countless times looking over and asking what the fuck we were watching 
He said last night he liked it. He said after the movie that he really liked it. He was like, what? I don't even just speechless. And he said last night, I was talking to him and he said, he's just not interested in watching anything the last few days. And he thinks it's because of this movie. Other things just aren't. Like they're just ruined. The same. They're just ruined now. <laughs> won't have the same effect on him as and I watching felt like, this. Yeah, and I felt like hearing that and thinking about how we felt after the movie and watching this, that I may have finally pushed into the realm of Antichrist. <laughs> this may be up there. So I was very excited to hear what you had to say about this movie because this is up there for... Uncomfortability like, and analyzing what you just watched and just... I was just not sleeping that night. <laughs> I was telling Kerrigan about the movie because we we did some. Uh, I had to take a break to to go to breakfast with her. Uh, we went and met the family at IHOP, and I had like nine minutes left in the movie. So I was telling Kara about what I had just watched, and she's like, "I kind of want to see the end. Kind of want to see the mach- the car baby." And I was like, "All right, fine." <laughs> uh, so. She, so she t- just watched the last She tuned in for the birth of the car baby. And that was that was very uncomfortable yeah. watching that with your younger sister. And having, you know, I had the context that I did, and she had the context of like what I had described yeah. previously of like, right. here's what led up to this. Um, yeah, which you just cannot put into words. I no. Don't think. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it almost seems like two different movies, too, right? Because yeah. in the first part, She's dealing with a lot of things, a lot of trauma from her childhood. Um, And like I said, she becomes a serial killer, which is then like her, she's just, she stabs people through the ear with a, almost like a a chopstick of sorts. Yeah. That she ties her hair up with. Yeah. Uh, And then you kind of just disregard that in the second half of this movie when she's building a relationship with this guy that she's impersonating to be his son. And you can see that kind of like we talked about with Lamb a little bit of just, it normalizes humanizing their, or yeah. normalizing them a little bit of just well, and it becomes these these two people that are so down and so like lost. And they, I guess and they find are, happiness through each other, which they, you can yeah. appreciate. Yeah, this kind of relationship, no matter how weird and wrong morally, and uh, but they both find comfort and and will to to go on even. Mm-hmm with this relationship that's all a a fucking farce yeah and they even find out later that you know that they aren't related and he he this he pretty much comes out and says i will accept you and love you for who you are i don't care you're now my son yes even though you're a (laughs) i don't think he knows she's a girl at that point either (laughs) he just knows that she's not his son the, the the son he thought, but oh yeah, holy shit. So man. I think the craziest thing about this movie to me, um, and again, I'm sorry if I butcher your name, but uh, the main character, Agatha Ruzel, uh, who plays Alexia, mm-hmm. this was her first movie. Yeah. Um, she's been in two prior shorts to this, uh, but this is her first major role and leading role, uh, which I just thought was... Absolutely insane that she did such a good job. Yeah. Um, And I think that will tie in a little bit with the next movie that we talked about too, of just kind of people who are able to become actors or actresses with good direction through, you know, the director and writing and things like that. The Nick Cage phenomenon. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. 
But no, this this was a lot of movie. Um, and again, I've been trying to formalize my thoughts on it all week. Mm-hmm. And I think I just, I keep thinking about everything that happened in the movie. And I, I, I'm just struggling to figure out where I, where I fall because I just, my first thing was a student had reckon, recommended this movie to me. So oh, yeah. an old student of mine who's going to film school right now had recommended that I go see this movie in theaters. And I guess I'm kind of disappointed that I missed out on that because I think yeah. visually and just everything that came with this movie would have been incredible to see on the big screen. I don't know but at the same how time the people of, in the theater would be, though. I was going to say, at the same time, though, like as unsettling as it was, I didn't mind watching it on my couch at home either because... Yeah. I at least had a chance to, if I needed to, pause it to just process what the fuck I had just watched. Yeah. Uh, you know, like, after she, you know, has sex with the car, you're kind of like, did that just happen? <laughs> or what the fuck was that? Yeah. And then, and then she's pregnant, and you're like, oh, no, it really it did ha- happen? And now uh, she's... What, is that what we're doing? Having motor oil, like, seep out of her, and she's... Yeah. With our luck, <laughs> this seems like one of the movies that we would go see and we'd have the old people that just go see a movie every day or once a week because and this is they're what they old chose and that's to what watch. they do and they just randomly pick because they've seen everything and they just watch everything in theaters and like 20 minutes into the movie they'd be bickering and bitching about how stupid it is and then 30 minutes in they'd walk out <laughs> so, at least we'd hope they'd walk out by 30 minutes yeah uh, they would probably be the stay till the scenario. end yeah <laughs> I don't know. Um, I don't uh, think this movie is for everybody. No. Uh, I think you definitely need to have the right stomach for it. And I think you need to have an expectation as to what you're going into. I didn't. I don't think you did either, Scott. No, but we are not new to this type of movie. Yeah, this isn't... Uh, like we talk about I was surprised, but and Climax I, yes. and, you know. Yeah, I was surprised at what happened, but I also wasn't surprised, I guess is the best way to say that. Yeah. But we turned it around a little bit. A little lighthearted. Uh, for mood, yeah. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this was a this is more of a feel-good movie. So Concrete Cowboy. In this drama, inspired by the real-life Fletcher Street stables, 15-year-old Cole is taken to live with his estranged fa- father, Harp, in North Philadelphia. There he discovers the city's vibrant urban cowboy subculture, which has existed for more than 100 years, providing a safe haven for the neighborhood despite the surrounding poverty, violence, and encroachment of gentrification. So my first note about this, and it was about, I think, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes into the movie, but I was like, I was watching it, and he had he was wheelbarrowing the horse shit, mm-hmm. and I was like, they got a shit cam. At the end of the wheelbarrow. <laughs> that was my first comment. I had to get that out. Um, I thought this was a pretty Quality. good movie. I enjoyed it. Uh, it was a Netflix movie. And I think I learned a lot more than I thought I would through this movie. I just, first off, I had no idea that there was even this kind of urban cowboy culture in Philadelphia. Uh, that they had created these stables to kind of create a space for kids to raise horses and stay off the streets and you know show them the value of hard work and you know teach them to be you know respectable members of society and that Mm -hmm. they don't necessarily have to fall into all the violence and crime that surrounds them Mm -hmm. and kind of speaking on the lines of what i talked about last time with uh you know that being somebody's first movie 
this was pretty cool that they had at least, I think, three different real-life Fletcher Street cowboys who reprised a role in this movie. And this was their first time acting ever. And they had pretty, you know, fairly large roles in the movie. And they had, you know, definitely lines of dialogue. And uh, like the guy in the wheelchair, he actually, that was his real-life story, minus being in a wheelchair. I believe he is able to walk around. But he did lose his brother to gun violence. So when he was telling that story, uh, the director, Ricky Staub, was just like, play on that emotion. Like, just let it kind of, you know, as you tell this story to anybody, just let that pour through. And he gave a really good performance as he was kind of explaining what happened to him and his brother. And I don't know. This was a really good movie. Ricky Staub's first director role, which is kind of cool. And I think it was a, a really cool lens on something that I had, no, you know, no idea that it even existed Um, But I think some of the things that I had gripes with, with this movie, and it's very minor, uh, but so first off, Cole is played by Caleb McLaughlin from Stranger Things. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, I I guess like the whole narrative that he has to, you know, his character develops through kind of running with, you know, selling drugs and things like, it was a different take on things as to why they were raising the money, like that they were, like they were trying, like they had... Who was it? It was... Uh, Smush. Smush, yeah. yeah. Smush had been one of these cowboys, and he realized like he wanted a better life for him and his horse, and it was never going to happen by just taking care of his horse in Philadelphia. So he kind of turned to the drug life to raise money so that he could... Get enough money to get out. Get out and go yeah. to maybe Montana or somewhere that he could buy land, and he had, he had a business plan, so like it made sense. But I, I just thought this whole story of like with the stables in Philadelphia could have been a story by itself with not necessarily falling into the traditional, you know, here's two sides of the same road of like, we could, you could say over here versus be over there. And he has to learn that through like smush dying of, you know, the consequences of, I don't know. I I just, I think there could have been a better push to show the relationship between him and his father, maybe show all of the negative side of things like that are happening throughout the city without it directly influencing Cole, but maybe that's just my take. I mean, what were your thoughts on this? Uh, I mean, I think maybe that was intentional. And I, I liked the fact that they they didn't just write Smush off as he's a gang-banging youngin who disagrees with the old people. and yeah. like Because that's how he starts out, and, and that's where you kind of see that going. And it's a, it's a kind of movie where you see you it's fairly predictable in the sense that you know something's going to happen what's you know you're waiting for that to happen but his motivation behind it i thought was an interesting portrayal of the fact that while they have this outlet there's still the people that are involved in the violence that not everybody you know it's not necessarily their choice i feel like it was the the message they were trying to push yes that it was his it was a means to his aspirations, right? Yeah. And so that I thought was good, a good play with the conflict of Cole bringing him back, right? Because that's the whole, his whole thing. The whole movie is kind of this push and pull of, I'm getting a taste of all this, but he's got this, you know, resentment with his dad who left him and he sees him being a father figure to all these other people and not him. And yeah, and so he's hurt by that. Uh, I thought that that all worked really well with the kind of push and pull of the 
that that overall conflict for Cole. And I think that's a good way to put it is there was a push and pull where he started to kind of see the goods and the bads of both situations. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, he veers one way or the other multiple times throughout the movie and, and things happen. But that, I guess where know. my, I guess what I was kind of trying to get to earlier was I don't think they played off of having both of those things be implemented enough. Like everything escalated so quickly with the violent stuff, right? Or like with the, the drug selling. Because it was like, He'd just show up in the car and, you know, Smush was kind of doing all the heavy work, but you never really got a, a, you know, you never saw any of that. It was just kind of like, here's the money we made. Here's the money we made. But there's never anything really at risk until like at the very end, it was like, this is at risk. I didn't feel like they built up to that very well. Oh. We're on the same side of the thing is like, he has this conflict with his dad. And again, I don't think he's around his dad enough to show, like, there's a really good scene in the movie where him and his dad have a discussion as to what he was in the house. Yeah. In the house, how he was named after, uh, Coltrane. Coltrane. Yeah. And that to me was the best scene in the movie just because again, it was really starting to break onto that. His dad does care about him more than he knows. And, you know, he's trying to give him the best life that he can, but at the same time, you know, there is this disconnect as he's been out of the kid's life for so long but, you know, and the kid not having the father figure, you know, Cole not having his father figure resents him. I don't know. I just, I wish they would have played on it a little bit more. Not saying that the movie needed to be longer, but I think they should have pushed the narrative either to more of his relationship with his dad or more of the like relationship. Pick, a, pick one to focus yeah, on. Yeah, pick one to focus on versus splashing little bits of both. And I don't know. I, I, I didn't feel that way. I guess I kind of sat back though because it was one of those kind of feel good. It was it was meant to only give you enough to feel, right? Yeah. You understand what's going on. They don't need to fill in all of the blanks. They don't need to. So I kind of I kind of approached it like that, I guess, um, and didn't really look in or look back at the story and and think anything was. I don't know. I I didn't look that hard into it. I guess. But uh, I mean that that scene was definitely. A great scene, but Idris Elba, he in pretty much anything. I, I really this, like him. Every scene he was in, he, yeah. he just kind of was the, the highlight for sure. And the whole kind of Fast and the Furious with horses was kind of fun. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Street racing with your horse. <laughs> I enjoyed that. Indeed. I don't know. This was a, it was a good film. I think my mind was still a little rustled. If after you're trying to compare it to Titan, two yeah. Days, so even trying to just kind of figure out what I wanted to say about it was a little rough coming off of those two days. Yeah, see, that's what I think I hit where I just kind of, my brain just chose for me to move on. And yeah. so that, that's why this this was, this actually probably was, like we said at the beginning, where we didn't really have any just shut off your brain. This probably was the pretty close to that. The closest we got, yeah. Yeah. But anyway, then one I wish I could have turned my brain off for. <laughs> it's impossible, but... <laughs> Matrix Resurrections on Friday. Return to a world of two realities, one everyday life, the other what lies behind it. To find out if his reality is a construct, to truly know himself, Mr. Anderson will have to choose to follow the White Rabbit once more. I'm a fan of the Matrix movies. It's been a long time since I've seen them, though, and that's one thing that with doing this under normal circumstances, I would have probably rewatched those before mm-hmm. seeing this, and maybe that would have helped some, but I, I'm about to talk for a little bit, so I apologize. 
I feel like I misunderstood the purpose of this movie going into it, which resulted in some disappointment for me. Like the whole Unreal Engine 5 demo. Did you play the Matrix? The Matrix Awakens, I think is what it was called. No. Unreal Engine 5. Uh, well, I'll boot that up after this on, on the PlayStation and, and you should play that because it's, it's pretty crazy. It's pretty cool. And so that really amped up the whole idea of how the, the first movie was boundary pushing in its visuals. And, you know, it really was uh, technically at the time insane, right? And so I got the, I got the impression that Resurrection's goal with some of the marketing that was around it, was to be a new boundary pusher. So I think my, one of my interests going into the movie was to see how things that happened in the Matrix that looked so, you know, that didn't age well, how with the technology we have today, the advancements we have, how that was going to be done, right? Mm-hmm. And what new stuff were going to happen. Yeah, you were building up your expectations for this because it is a Matrix movie. Sure. It was a huge thing with the first one, right? So yeah. I I wanted to see how, you know, today, how the Matrix, Matrix was going to be. That seemed like a focus okay, to me. But they almost dropped that entirely and instead go full middle school edgy on a meta commentary on sequels and nostalgia and marketing committees and so on and um, the current state of most Hollywood... And while I agree with most of the ideas satired in the movie, I don't know if that's a verb, but um, I find it ironic that it was essentially a big Hollywood movie and they're making a big Hollywood paycheck and it was all a big Hollywood F you to big Hollywood kind of thing. So I'm kind of glad you brought that up. (laughs) So a little backstory for me. I have seen the Matrix trilogy and Lights Dot. It was quite a bit of time ago. Uh, but I'm familiar with the basic storyline. Mm-hmm. I did watch a video, though, to kind of like uh, what you need to know before watching this one type thing. Okay, interesting. Just as a reminder of what I had watched. And I, I know in the past on podcasts, I have argued for nostalgia in movies. <laughs> but this took it to a whole new level of having fucking flashbacks of the other movies of like, oh, remember this character? Uh, the B-roll playing throughout it, like on the fucking... Cod zombies fucking theater map that they were sitting in and <laughs> they had the old neo and morpheus and shit playing on the yep. on the black just to be like oh remember this scene God, it was so forceful and like they just had to like push all of these flashbacks just to like reference who that person was in the movie because it's been so long and you're like i don't know who they were but they had a line so let's pull them in so you can be like oh remember that character got it it pissed me off can i cut in yes please because you say that they had to do that to, or they pushed that. And on further research, I found out that writer-director Lana Wachowski mm-hmm. didn't like that a lot of the people who enjoyed the first Matrix enjoyed it as a power fantasy, which is not how she intended. And that this is a huge rabbit hole we could go down that. We will not, because we do not have time. But my God... Um, <laughs> So that has sparked some argument that this movie was intended to be condescending to anyone wanting another Matrix movie. That was intentional that she put all of that in there. It wasn't a, oh, we're trying to make you remember, like, for a love of the Matrix. It was a, 
you dumb fucks who want another fucking sequel, here's your dumb fucking sequel. There's a there's a huge debate on that was the intent behind the movie. Okay. All I know is like The Force Awakens did it with Star Wars and sure. this felt so much worse than that. And that was that that's what I'm saying is there's a lot of people who think because of specifically because of Lana Wachowski and her attitude towards everything um that that was all the intent. Some of what I read was a lot of people saying that they felt like it was a, we know you're not going to like it because of all, the, I mean, the whole commentary in the movie on sequel culture, right? Yeah. The, it, this was, this had to be the most meta movie that I've ever seen. And, and so it was kind of like, we make this, we make it two Matrix. You're going to say that like Force Awakens, that it's two Matrix and it was too safe and you didn't like it. We make it to not Matrix, and you're going to say it wasn't enough Matrix. And it's like there's no way that they're going to win with it, which I think is bullshit and a cop-out because uh, there's a list of sequels that have come out recently that surprisingly were fantastic, mm-hmm. like the Blade Runner sequel. Yeah. And I mean, there's a, there's a few, right? So I think that that is deflection to you know, I'll get the criticism. I'll get past all that. What I can't get past, though, is for this being... As big of a movie as The Matrix is, the CGI and visual effects were shit. <laughs> Terrible. Okay? Like, there was, I, I think it was the train scene, that it, the fucking frames dropped to 12 frames per second. <laughs> like, you went from 24 down to 12 for no purpose, minus, oh, this was supposed to be probably shot in 48 frames per second so we could slow it down, well, but whole we forgot, Neil, so we got to slow it down. The whole Neil Patrick Harris scene oh, where he's dude. slow-mo, but because he's time-stopped or whatever, like it just looked terrible. But I, So I have a little bit of background on that. So if you look at Neil Patrick's character in that scene, they had to refilm him because of the lighting on like his face. Uh, it was too bright or something, so they brought like the saturation down, and then they realized like that was just terrible how it looked. So they refilmed him again, and then they tried to rotoscope his character to place him in that scene. Really? But with a rotoscope, you have this kind of like this this fucking feather yeah. to like get rid of the the crisp line that you would so see. So that effect wasn't. So even you see this kind of black outline around his fucking face, no and way. you can you can get away with that with other things, but when you have a main face of an actor being three quarters of the screen you can't do that and it was just it was such a i don't know if it was lazy if it was time constricted like whatever like you could tell they put emphasis into some of the scenes in the movie and then others they just didn't give a fuck and yeah there's a this is another one that we we really could talk for such a long time and speculate and hold on i'm not doing neil patrick (laughs) Harris. So, like, in the original Matrix series, right, when they're dodging the bullets, right, it leaves, like, that streak or that blur effect, right? And then in this one, like, he's moving around, but it looks like he's all jittery and shit. Like, you've known how to do these things before. Like, why are you not implementing them now with better technology? Instead, you're just like, yeah, fuck it. Here, let's make him look all fucking digitized and shaky. And I don't know. It was it was just, it was awful. It was really bad. Yeah. Regardless of the the intent, and then the forced uh, dialogue. Speculate. Scott. Oh, I was just about to say. I mean, I just thought it wasn't a very good movie from an entertainment standpoint. Whether or not it was intended to be that or not, so much exposition, so much cheese, so much subpar visuals. 
And again, that's what I was, like I said, that's what I was expecting coming into it was the visuals. So that being not even up to par yeah, with, lackluster. with movies in the last few years. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, <sighs> I was just so, like 90% of this movie is giving you dialogue so you know what the fuck's going on. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so much it's talking. So f- oh, Just fell asleep. I, I think How do you I, fall asleep during a Matrix movie? I think I paused this movie about five times just to take a break because yeah. it seemed... It was a long fucking movie, wasn't it? It was like two and a half hours or some shit. I think shit. it was long, yeah. Yeah, 148 minutes. Fuck you. Okay, I'm done. I don't know. Some of the stuff that I've seen talked about, I, you know, I, I've... I dove into Reddit a little bit afterward. I, I I tried to find some explanation to what I was feeling and what I just watched, I guess. And and I think to further explore some of the things that I read about, I would need a second viewing. And like I already mentioned, that's part of what's tough with this format is we're consuming these movies every day. We don't really get the time to process or rewatch right yeah and if we were really reviewing it'd be a lot different we probably would watch this again we'd have watched the first three if we thought necessary and and you know uh, so i think my feelings of this movie could be incomplete because of some of the there's some interesting things that maybe were supposed to be in there but i don't know when or if i will ever go back to complete those feelings I don't know if I'm going to watch this again. I don't think, I mean, it's free. It's not like we had to rent it. It's, the it's free on through January something, 21st oh, or yeah, something. Touche. But I don't know. I guess for now, at first viewing for me, Matrix Resurrections put the meh in meta. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's definitely, like, I don't know. There was things that I, like, as you kind of started to hint at, that could have been explored and could have been a really cool concept. Like the fact that humans and machines were starting to live in harmony for the first time. And you had this kind of, I guess like this battle between good and evil, but now there's more than just that. There's this gray area and they talked about it for like three lines of dialogue and then just disregarded it for the rest of the movie. Yeah. Um, and that's what, maybe they're trying to set up a new trilogy. Maybe that's the intention. But if that's the intention, then why is what's her face director like? Oh, you wanted a fucking sequel. Here's well, your so I'm sequel. Saying that's like, a debate, why, right? Why I didn't mean to in. come off as as fact. I don't. I don't know that for sure. The I mean, it's on the internet. There's people talking about stuff, and and although we know from Game of Thrones days and whatever that people on Reddit can get pretty close to the truth. <laughs> yeah, they can find out about anything. You know, it's still it's still speculation, and they're very the Wachowski sisters they are are pretty reclusive socially so it's not like they're out there giving a whole bunch of interviews and and talking about it a whole lot so uh, you know who knows who knows what what really was the the goal behind this and maybe it really just was you know I, i like i said i've seen a lot and if you if you watch this movie and you're a matrix fan and you're confused or i i would encourage you the only time i would encourage you to go onto reddit if you're not a redditor already, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> read discussions about this movie is, is read about this. Read what people have to say because it is very interesting. How, I mean, much like anything, it's, it is fairly divisive. I mean, there are people who think it's genius, and there are most people think it's utter garbage, <laughs> right? But I mean, the the reasons why some people really enjoyed it were interesting. And usually, when I find things that you know I, I thought 
crap and I found that people enjoyed it and I read them. I'm like, okay, I can speculate on that myself and I disagree or something, but there are some stuff that I just didn't catch that I didn't, that I, I really would have to watch again and watch the other movies to get a better understanding and see, you know, what, what I think the intention of this movie was. I could continue <sighs> talking about how much I hate this movie, yeah. but it will just get me mad about talking about Zola. So I think we should just move That's on. Just, yeah, I, was, I, was trying, <laughs> I was trying to, I, I really was trying to approach it from a, a neutral standpoint because well, you're it better was than, very disappointing you're better than me. to me. Agent Smith fights <sighs> Neil Patrick Harris. Come on. Dude, I know the whole Smith thing. It's okay. Zola. (laughs) Zola on Saturday. (laughs) Oh, man. Zola. A stripper named Zola embarks on a wild road trip to Florida. That's really what it says. That's it. But essentially, uh, this movie was based off of a string of 148 tweets that tells the story how of how Isaiah Keen had a falling out with this white bitch named Jessica. (laughs) Yep. 2015. (laughs) That Twitter thread went viral. This movie and, is pretty uh, crazy. It's, it's my understanding that some of the things in this were fabricated for the entertainment of the movie, but most of it was true. Yeah. Um, so at first, as I was watching this, this little fucking Twitter sound notification kept going off, <laughs> yeah. and it pissed me off. I was like, if this is going to be the, the movie. entire movie, <laughs> I'm going to lose my mind. But then I realized that the lines of dialogue that were being that said in the tweets. movie yep. lined up with the actual tweets in real life to yep. like let you know like this, this is, is what was tweeted. Actually, what yeah mm-hmm. it was tweeted. So that made it better. And then I was like, okay, I'm in now. I really enjoyed this. And it it slowed down. Like, the the tweets slowed down a little bit. They started to flesh things out. But in the beginning, it was like, tweet, 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 tweet. And I was like, fuck, where are you? Uh, I I got some good laughs. I thought the acting was was fantastic. Crazy. Definitely a roller coaster of ridiculous. Yes. (laughs) Oh, man. The the guy, he was in Candyman, the pimp. I forget his name in the movie. Because uh, I don't tell you until way later, but then he says his name, but then I, I still forgot it. As X. Sure, X. Coleman Domingo. Yeah. I really like him. <laughs> I think I think he's, I, I just like. He was doing that whole like split yeah, personality disorder thing of having he like. Would break into like the Nigerian accent and, and then, then put on this facade of being a, you know, yeah. an American pimp basically and. Man, when he said, when he says, he's like, say my name, say, <laughs> say it to the, the boyfriend who puts all their pictures, all their, well, I don't know. I don't even want to I just refer to him as the kid that all... glows from Sky High. Yes. Yeah. That, that was him. But yeah, he, it's just a tense scene where he does something stupid and he, X, I guess, goes after him and he's like, say my name. And I just, all I could think in my head was, Candyman. Candyman. <laughs> Candyman. No, this was pretty crazy. Um, and I watched this one with Kristen, and she was kind of in disbelief as to how everything was just playing out. Because it, it was definitely a roller coaster or a lot of twists and turns of yeah. not really knowing where this was going. And then really eye-opening to be like, fuck, that's, that's a tough life to be it's living. It's a lifestyle. Yeah. That's a real um, life. And I thought it was hilarious that Jessica, the white bitch, uh, had to go to Reddit of all places, right, to kind of fight her, like argue her side of the story, 
which is like that bid break where she's is that like, what happened? Yeah. Oh, that was her. It was a it was a Reddit thing. It was a Reddit thing that which, this which blew up on Twitter. So she went to her Reddit. version of the story. Yeah, yeah, she went to to Reddit to share her That's side. Hilarious. So like, I how much social <laughs> Christian woman? And I don't live that life anymore. And... <laughs> Uh, trying to turn it around yeah yeah this is kind of crazy um just as it said in the in the synopsis it's just a a weekend trip to florida that goes all sorts of south and there's prostitution and stripping and gun violence and kidnapping and uh uh, how do i put this gang bang (laughs) yeah that was weird too (laughs) And that apparently was one thing that was made up. I saw a story or something for entertainment value. The, uh, the, the whole, the, the Zola, the real girl said that she made all that up for entertainment. So to, to spice it up a little bit, huh? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> What'd you think? You, you said you liked it. I, I enjoyed it. I don't, I don't think I have much to say. I just, it's a crazy story. It's a fun one to watch. I got, uh, like I said, I got some good laughs. I thought it was funny the way the story was presented. You know, I I I enjoyed this. It had uh, some fourth wall breaks Another throughout the movie. movie. I guess uh, we didn't say we should have said. Titan was a neon movie. Lamb was a twenty four, and Zola was a twenty four. Just and to so, put you in the premise of yeah, where we're at, where we're yeah. going to talk about at the end, I'm sure a little bit. But but no, I I uh, I enjoyed this. Yeah, it was kind of crazy. Uh, they did a really good job at like showing how one person can control and manipulate another person. Mm-hmm. Kind of unsettling, makes you kind of angry at the world of how things can work. And you know, when he's threatening her of like, "I know where you live, bitch. Like, don't speak to me that way. Like, you get in the fucking car right now." That was, that was a lot. And then if you look at the actual Twitter thread, uh, you actually get some more info as to kind of how everything plays out after the movie, since the movie just kind of. Ends after the glowing kid from Sky High jumps off a balcony and realizes he can't fly. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to kill myself. He runs and jumps off and it's like, oh, fuck. And they cut to the car. They're all in the car and he's, and he's just bleeding from the, like his head. And the pimp is yelling he's, at him like, what fine. the fuck are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't a far enough fall to, to kill him. Yeah. It, he, is, he is the epitome of pitiful. <laughs> The epitome of pitiful. I did find myself just feeling bad for the boyfriend the entire movie. Though. Yeah, I was like, this poor dude. But yeah. I, but like I said, <laughs> just just a pitiful person. Like I mean, he does it to himself. Supposedly though, he's with a new person. He has really? a new girlfriend. Good for him. He's also a giant six foot seven monster of a white guy. And <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It was it was a good one. It had a lot going on, but it wasn't as processy. No. some of the other films this week like no and even just... with suspense i didn't find it like stressful i found it more enjoyable like this ridiculous story and you're just kind of on the ride you know kind of questioning like did that really happen oh yeah, yeah like, look at the, the twitter fuck, thread man? there yep there it is it lines up but uh going into our probably lightest heart film of the week i don't know there's some pretty heavy stuff in here <laughs> french dispatch <laughs> Full title, French Dispatch of the Liberty, Kansas Evening Sun. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> this is a Wes Anderson movie. Wes Anderson is responsible for this movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Arthur Howitz Jr., the editor of the newspaper The French Dispatch, dies suddenly of a heart attack. According to the wishes expressed in his will, publication of the newspaper is immediately suspended following one final farewell issue, in which three articles from past editions of the paper are republished along with an obituary. So a snippet I saw on Apple TV put it best, I think. It was it's a nostalgic tribute to the expat writers. But it's based on the magazine The New Yorker. Mm-hmm. Why is that so hard to say? The New the New The, the, the New, New Yorker. Yorker. <laughs> U, the Yorker. The New Yorker, yes. <laughs> the New Yorker. And uh, most of the characters are based on real people or some amalgamation of real people. Yeah, at the very end they had that little title slide that says in honor of and a bunch mm-hmm. of names came All up. All the names. Yeah. yeah. And uh I, I looked up a few and that rabbit hole again would be way too long for this, <laughs> but I concluded uh, it did. I did not get many of the references that were made, and obviously age probably didn't help us. Yeah, because um, this is like 1960s era. Yeah, so I didn't get the nostalgia bit of it, but but I viewed it more as a quirky reimagining of of uh, written journalism in movie form, with some pretty funny goofs like the art story. Benicio del Toro <laughs> is made to be this tortured artistic genius murder uh, but he's in prison for life for murder yeah <laughs> and him unintentionally painting the last masterpiece on the prison walls so they couldn't sell it yeah like they couldn't remove it from the Joke's prison on him. that's that was hilarious um or the the last one where jeffrey wright is a food critic but ends up doing a story on a kidnapping because the chef in question <laughs> ends up saving the day uh dude i was so happy to watch a wes anderson film at the end of this week yeah i'm i'm hesitant to say more about some of the stories because i think if you like him if you like his style you should watch this okay so that's weird though because this is a very different wes anderson movie than what you would come to expect from him like first off like this is his first anthology okay sure um, from that standpoint right i felt like his his storytelling though was very apparent Oh, yes. The storytelling is told through the eyes of the journalist in a very kind of cool way. Uh, what kind of separates this, though, from his other things is like this. Most of this movie is in black and white and there's splashes of color throughout to kind of draw your attention to certain things. And anytime you're in the present, the movie is in color. But that's very non-traditional of his style of everything with color and like sure. obviously the symmetry is still there. The storytelling, the writing his choice of actors and this is the movie that we kind of reference of like you Huge. thought you know don't look up was big like this one might push that as far as n- names Huge that cast. appear in this in this film i love the premise of the movie though being told uh through the articles written in the newspaper mm-hmm. i love the appreciation that wes anderson shows for journalists mm-hmm. i just thought i don't know it was a really well-crafted movie and it's another delightful movie if you him. read Delightful's the gripes like- though and I'm not saying I have these, but other people do. Uh, kind of going with that storytelling and character development, they felt it was rushed because it's three individual stories versus one story that plays out. Um, they, but it's written like the lack it's of color. Supposed is to be a short story kind of thing. Yeah, it's an anthology. I right? feel like it's, yeah, I feel like those stories aren't. They're not going to be as in depth, and they get their point across. Right. And. The, I, I think that's the point too. Is right when you're reading an article, let's say in the New Yorker, right? You're never going they don't to have get all day to explain. Yeah, you have right? maybe two pages, three pages to write out your narrative, and that's all you get. So you're going to be contained to what the story is, and that's what this did. Is is very accurate of that. Yeah, I just think 
I don't know. So many things in this movie made me smile mm-hmm. and chuckle. The opening scene, and... I was like, this is so beautiful. <laughs> yeah. like, it was the opening shot, and I was yeah. like, already happy. I yep. was like, exactly. Yes. And this... I don't, it was just great. I don't know how else to say it. Like, I, I like his style. I like his storytelling, and I don't think it matters much what the story is about. He just does it in a very I'm just eloquent always, way. Yeah, yeah, I'm always engaged because of how he tells his stories. And I, I just... So one thing I wanted to bring up, and I know you don't want to get too much into the individual stories of what happens, but the use of space in this movie was brilliant um, and something I've never seen before. Because uh, I guess from my understanding of what I read, Wes Anderson filmed this in a 1 to 37 to 1 aspect ratio which is traditional to like classic 1960s French cinema. Okay. But then the way he used the empty space on the screen for either like text dialogue or another point of view of a character or another camera angle of what was going on, mm-hmm. it was so cool of how he did that. And I think there was even one shot where it split the screen in two, like because it had the black bars on the side because mm-hmm. it didn't fill a traditional 16 by 9. But then it filled the entire frame by having two different, two different identical shots of just like two characters in different spaces. And I thought that was so cool of how he did that. Or I don't know. It was, it was genius. It was, it was awesome. And I really liked it. Really I think this is my favorite Wes Anderson film I've seen. Yeah, this was, this was I really think good. visually, especially it's just so visually interesting. Yes. Then my other part though, was in the third story, they go to a like comic setting yeah i don't know if that was more of like do they not have the ability to the film New Yorker that scene d- has or was comics, it though. more I think of there like was some of the writers and people he was that was trying was to be a homage were, to them because yeah. even at the very end when like the, so. the the covers of the french dispatch were showing up like i got very, those are real covers yeah yeah i was like that brought me back to like my childhood of like how old cartoons and stuff were drawn in comic books or on books uh i think like who wrote the bfg the big fucking giant yeah that one (laughs) aura no that's goosebumps (laughs) i don't know this is one of those movies that i think we say it a lot but still watch it if you like wes anderson that's i mean obviously there's a ton of people his style is not for everybody because i looked at some reviews too and i saw like what you were saying that you know there's just some people that they just they basically wrote two out of ten Wes Anderson just isn't for me, and that's, that's, I don't I don't understand it. I don't understand how you can't just enjoy. But if if it doesn't make you care about the story, then it doesn't make you care about the story, and there's nothing wrong with it. And so, if you are inclined to see a Wes Anderson movie, then this should be seen. I think I think it was I think it was good. And if you enjoy Wes Anderson, there's probably a good chance you've already seen it. Probably. <laughs> probably. But that's the movies of the week. Yeah, that wraps it up. And I think a couple of quick conclusions. Wes Anderson, for you and I, is delightful. And I think that this week just goes to show that the two big studios for generally putting out genuinely interesting movies that aren't sequels or remakes and aren't mass appeal stories just focused on actually trying to tell a good, interesting, weird story are A24 and Neon. And for that reason, I think I would happily watch anything with either of their names on it. And I think there's probably a large portion of the population who might feel the same way about A24 and Neon as they do about Wes Anderson. 
They, I would just think not so. for them. Yeah, I would think so. Because <laughs> those movies definitely push the boundaries for... They hit different. <laughs> That's probably the best way you can... <laughs> Their movies hit different. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh... I'm looking at the list right now of neon movies. I'm just trying to see what's on there. I've seen a lot more. I think there's quite a few that I've recommended to you that I know you haven't seen. So, I mean, this isn't just coming <clears> off of like this week. We watched two A24 movies and one neon movie. And we watched saying, Possessor last week. We watched. Yeah, we've seen quite a few just in doing this. But outside of this, I've seen plenty. Yeah, Ingrid Goes West, Little Monsters. There's mm. there's a lot. No, it was a pretty good week. Uh, it was a lot of a week. Yeah. You know, not even in terms of total time that we watched, but just content that we had to process. And again, as Scott mentioned, you know, most of these movies could probably go for a rewatch. And it's just mm-hmm. not not in the books for us, at least until like November. Not for a while, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and even then, I don't know if I'm going to want to watch a movie for the rest of the year after. <laughs> yeah, what do we do? Do we just take a break? Or? I just need two months off of movies, so... But, you know, looking at them, I also think it's interesting that two of the movies that landed on our want to see from 2021 week were Netflix movies. Yeah, that's kind of... And I... Yeah, they might be up there, and they're non-tra- non-traditional like theater releases, but they are pushing out. It almost seems like a movie a week. a lot, yeah. Well, and I, I just... Because I've seen recently... I th- I believe they're talking about raising their prices again, and I know people don't care for that. I'm not saying that I'm happy about it either. But I thought I thought about it from a little different perspective seeing this with the quality of content that they seem to be coming out with lately. And I don't necessarily mean whether I like it or not personally, because like Red Notice, mm-hmm. I'm not a fan of, but it was definitely a big movie. But you're not with excited for Red Notice 2, Redder and Noticer? If that's a thing, I will <laughs> gladly watch it. If it's called Redderer and Noticer, <laughs> I have to see it. <laughs> but I mean, that's a, that was a big movie with a lot of money behind it. And they're not all hits, but generally the quality of the movies that, that we've been talking about from Netflix, if, they, if they're putting out one movie a month that you enjoy or want to see compared to going to see a movie in theaters, a new release like mm-hmm. we're used to, 15 to $18 a month really doesn't seem that absurd, especially considering all the content that you're getting on top of that. I know that's that's if they keep it up, which they seem to be so far. And I agree, losing a lot of the other content to new streaming services popping up is tough. And depending on what you watch, there may be a better streaming service out there for you that costs less. But like Hulu's original content for me is generally not great. I'm not interested in, in watching it. So if Hulu went up to $18 a month, I think I would really reconsider, you know? And I'm sure that, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm saying that's just me. But under my normal TV movie watching circumstances, obviously we've watched a lot on Hulu for this experience, so we wouldn't get rid of it or anything. But. No, I'm, I'm with you uh, all the way on that because I, I think people tend to forget how much content they are actually getting with their Netflix subscription when every single week it seems like they're either pushing out a new TV I mean, we show, just had the Witcher. series, or a new movie, or a combination of the two. I think even just like searching right now of like upcoming Netflix movies, 2022, uh, the top story is six new Netflix movies and shows to watch this week, January 17th. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's like that's insane. Six new insane. things that they are adding to their content. Yeah, so if you're not interested in that, that's Stop fine. Stop subscribing, but, yeah. But, you know, if you just want to watch new stuff and do it from the comfort of your own home and also have a, still a decent library of other stuff, I think my issue with Netflix is their their algorithm for recommendations. Yeah, it'd be nice if they didn't recommend me anything and just let me scour through yeah, what they have. Yeah, let me find new stuff or, like, give me a random list of things to go through every day one one line that's just here's random shit instead of here's based on you watching this one movie 10 years ago when you originally got your netflix account and that's all we're going to recommend to you you know it's like everybody's netflix account i've ever seen is completely different than mine and different than each other's. And oh, I you think were 13 way too when you aggressive. first started? Well, here's all the shit you liked when you were 13. Yeah, like you and I, if we had each a Netflix account, I think generally we should find a lot of overlap or a, a good amount of overlap in what we enjoy watching, what we probably choose to watch. They just recommend us to, but they would, to watch They Neon just recommend me Korean dramas. <laughs> That's all they recommend to me now is Korean dramas. <laughs> Well, I will say this as we kind of come to a wrap on everything. Uh, I'm excited to see our first 2022 movie of our podcast because we haven't done that yet. No, that's true. Uh, I'm not sure. I'm happy about which one we're probably going to end up seeing, but we'll discuss that off camera, off mic. <laughs> Doesn't have we're to probably be seeing one. Scream next week. So, <laughs> No, I'm fine with that. But yeah, if, yeah a new New Year of movies. Here we go. Goodbye, 2021 movies. Except for all the 2021, <laughs> except for all the 2021 movies, we'll continue to watch for the next few months. But anyway, this was fun. Have a good day. <laughs> yeah, I think I think we have a lot to just kind of sit on. This I is mean, a long. We week. had to revisit all of these movies. So, <laughs> but yeah, either way, have a fantastic week. Uh, we'll see you next time on the NDM podcast. Check us out on Instagram and TikTok and. Catch you later, Kate. Goodbye.